Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Religious liberty has taken on very interesting connotations in our polarized political climate. For liberals, religious freedom has become equated with bigotry, as in resistance to same-sex marriage and LGBT rights and that sort of thing. But for conservative Christians, there is also a dark side to the new resurgence of religious liberty, and that has to do with dominionism. And so one of the, the nation's uh, foremost researchers and, and reporters on this topic is with us today. Fred Clarkson serves as Senior Fellow for Religious Liberty at Political Research Associates out of Boston, Massachusetts. And Fred's been a guest with us a number of times over the years here on Freedom's Ring. And welcome back, Fred. Glad to have you. Well, thanks for being back. <laughs> and... Um, so, dominionism has actually played an interesting role in the whole presidential primary and election campaign cycle. Here we are now, uh, post the Electoral College, uh, show's going to be aired probably in January after, uh, either before or after uh, President-elect Trump takes office. Um, tell us about the, the significance of dominionism in this election. Well, it's uh, sort of lurking just, uh, just off stage. A lot of the time, it's uh, it's one of those terms that most people haven't heard of, and when they when they do hear somebody talk about it, it's like, well, I've I've never heard of that. It couldn't possibly be interesting or important, but uh, but but sometimes ideas are important and lurking behind uh, a lot of uh, uh, conservative uh, political and religious ideas is the idea that uh, conservative Christians are uh, required by God to assume power. Uh, in the various areas of society, including and especially government, in order to achieve a, a godly society. And uh, most often on the campaign trail, we heard it framed, uh, strangely enough, in terms of religious freedom. Uh, and that uh, basically had to do with the idea that, well, interfere with uh, our efforts to uh, promote uh, God's kingdom in this way, uh, you're violating our religious freedom to do so. So it, it gets into an interesting philosophical tangle pretty quickly. Well... This is very, very interesting because Christians, we say we believe in religious freedom, which is defined very different ways by different people. For us here at Freedom's Ring, it really means creating space for everybody to have their own beliefs before God, answerable to God and not to the government for what they believe, and, and the government is not to be coercive uh, in, in matters of faith and and practice as well. That's what free exercise means. But I hear you saying that it, dominionism, the belief that that uh, those who are godly uh, have the right and obligation to rule in God's name, that to deprive them of their right to impose their beliefs on others infringes on their religious freedom, or at least that's how they see it. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a good piece of what's going on doesn't mean that everybody who's a conservative Christian or holds a conservative views necessarily holds to that kind of aggressive, dominionist vision, but many do. 
Well, no. Certainly, as I have moved in conservative Christian circles, um, their beliefs are all over the place, and I certainly meet plenty of people who believe in religious freedom for people of all faiths who are not dominionists. But dominionism, uh, which is our topic, has had strong influence in political circles, and that's really what I want to explore with you in the few minutes that we have today. Um, were there certain candidates that you saw in particular who were influenced by dominionism? I know uh, Rick Perry, for example, right? Well, that's right. Uh, it's a little bit hard to read exactly where he is religiously. He, he is a politician, after all. But uh, way back when he ran for president uh, last time, he launched his presidential campaign with a prayer rally of 30,000 people in Houston. And not just any, any prayer rally, but people who explicitly were dominionists and hold to the Seven Mountains view, Pentecostal version of dominionism. So. I'm sure that many of our listeners, uh, that's a new new idea. They're not familiar with the Seven Mountains view of dominionism. Um, just brief explanation. Sure. So it basically comes out of a, a strain of Pentecostalism uh, that uh, that seeks to take the idea about you know what should the godly agenda be. And uh, uh, when they refer to the Seven Mountains, it's a metaphor for seven areas of life. Uh, I can remember them all. It would be religion and education and family uh, and entertainment. So uh, I think that's uh, six, that's but idea. that's close enough. <laughs> if I'm counting, but yeah. <laughs> all right. No, so our listeners get get the idea of uh, you know the idea that godliness and and Christian leaders should be dominant in all of these different arenas. Um, why, in your understanding, why is that a threat to religious freedom? Well, I think the idea that there are not just uh, uh, Christians, but certain kinds of Christians who are, uh, put a term on it, Christian supremacists. And that's the idea that their particular kind of Christianity should reign supreme in all these areas of life. That, of course, necessarily means other kinds of Christians, other faiths, people of no faith, are necessarily secondary and even second-class citizens in that scenario. So, you know, you've given a lot of thought to this and, and studied to this over the years. Um, I think there are imperfect parallels between Christian dominionism and the kind of militant Islam that wants to uphold Sharia law and is willing to use violence to create, uh, you know, an Islamic state. Um, talk about the parallels, however, you know, it may seem offensive even to, to, to make a parallel, but, but talk about them for a moment. Well, sure. I mean, I, I'm one who generally resists the analogy, because I think it's unfair, <laughs> both to Islam and, and to Christianity. But, uh, but, but I think that where the parallels exist and the things that would be concerned to anybody who supports religious freedom and a religiously plural society anywhere in the world is that uh, there are elements of Islam who believe in a theocratic state. And that uh, their version of Sharia law, which is sometimes different than other sects' uh, versions of Sharia law, should reign supreme. And once again, the, uh, there's a legal code that makes certain uh, that would make religious and sex crimes subject to capital punishment. Uh, in fact, in Saudi Arabia just a few years ago, there were a couple of young men who were executed, publicly beheaded, because they were gay and thought to marry each other. Well, and, you know, 
while certainly the the notion of Christian dominionism has not advocated violence or become violent the way Islam has, and that's that's where I think the parallels really do break down dramatically. Um, I understand that Christian leaders were in various African countries advocating for very harsh anti-gay uh, legislation, uh, including the death penalty. Isn't that true? That's true. It's uh, been a running issue in Uganda, um, but it's also true in other countries as well. Uh, the idea of biblical law um, or a, you know, a biblical a code of law in some way uh, is the stance that people take in advancing these kinds of ideas. Uh, if the idea is that a Christian society should be governed according to biblical principles and biblical law, then the question then is, well, what exactly is the law and what then is the punishment? And the punishments may vary in severity, perhaps for political reasons, you know, maybe it'll be a jail sentence for now and capital punishment later after political power is consolidated. But it is an explicitly theocratic vision that uh, is uh, in formation in many places in the world and arguably many sectors of the United States as well. Well, and, you know, and I have to throw in here, Fred, from my own Seventh-day Adventist perspective, um, the notion of a a theocratic approach invoking capital punishment uh, to me is reminiscent of the Mark of the Beast passage of Revelation 13, where you have just that, a theocratic form of government, uh, albeit blasphemous, um, you know, wrong-headed, uh, but you do have uh, the invocation of the death penalty against dissenters and is completely antithetical in, in my understanding of Scripture to the notion of, of a loving God who gave his Son to die so that all would have the opportunity to be saved, that none unwilling that any should perish but wants all to come to salvation. And, uh, you know, I don't mean to be preaching to you. Our, our audience certainly tends to be a Christian audience and, and hopefully resonates with, with the notion of God as a loving God, not, not one wanting to just, uh, uh, you know, invoke the death penalty against dissenters, as it were. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, we're always going to have Pharisees, you know, we're going to adhere to certain kinds of doctrines, you know, and try to uh, insist on them in relationship to the rest of us. But the, the hope for religious freedom in response to whatever kind of dominionism may, may, may rear its head <laughs> for us, and that is that uh, when the framers crafted the idea of religious freedom, it was with the idea that we're all in this together. Nobody has religious freedom unless everybody has religious freedom. And yeah, our ideas are going to clash from time to time, but we, we have to accept the idea that uh, we can resolve these things as long as we continue to have the freedom to do so. Well, and it, you know, it may come as a surprise to some of our listeners that there were very devout, sincere Christians who did not vote for our president-elect, who voted for the other guy or lady, shall we say. That there are, you know, real differences um, by people who worship the same God. Uh, and, of course, many different concepts of, of God. But the question is, are we going to live together in peace? Or are we going to fight it out? I would hope that what we have seen from the Middle East in recent years has only renewed our commitment to uh, creating a pluralistic society where we live together in peace. 
Well, we can hope that we'll learn the lessons of history and, and including recent history. They're kind of right in front of us. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the extraordinary opportunity, obligation that we have as Americans is that the framers of the Constitution had that same experience. The Inquisition and the witch trials, you know, were recent history. They're a recent memory. And what they were trying to do is inoculate the new nation that they had unbelievable opportunity to found against the ravages of religious persecution and warfare to honor that tradition and to figure out how to make that real in the 21st century is the obligation of all of us. So, real quick, um, we've kind of gotten off track here, but were there some other areas where Dominionism really reared it, its influence? in this recent election season. Well, yeah, and uh, uh, in the selection of, uh, of Mike Pence as the Vice President of the United States, perhaps the most powerful Vice President in the history of the United States, has strong Dominionist tendencies, and uh, you know, certainly falls in that category we began the conversation with, uh, with the idea of imposing specifically religious ideas to, uh, uh, to uh, prevent uh, gays and lesbians from full equality and dignity under the law. Well, we're going to have to keep an eye on this topic, and we very well want to have you back to see what, if anything, develops in terms of uh, actually implementing a, a harsh Dominion sort of uh, agenda, uh, you know, through the vice president or, or anybody else. Our guest today on Freedom's Ring is a journalist and Senior Fellow for Religious Liberty, Fred Clarkson uh, from Political Research Associates. Fred, as always, it's been a pleasure to have you on Freedom's Ring. Best wishes for the new year. You too, Alan, and uh, I hope we'll talk again. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom, we help those suffering religious discrimination with legal resources. Uh, we represent in court, even. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed, get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring. Freedom's Ring.